and welcome to So What's the Problem, in which we rewatch a movie from our youth to determine if it's problematic by today's standards. I'm Jen. And I'm Jimmy. Today we are discussing Scream Free, which was released on the 4th of February 2000 in the US and on the 28th of April in the UK and Ireland. Uh, it was written by committee on the days of filming, but credited to Aaron Kruger, <laughs> and directed by Wes Craven. It stars Nev Campbell, David Arquette, Courtney Cox, Patrick Dempsey, Scott Foley, Lance Henriks, and a bunch of fucking nothings. Right. <laughs> wow. All right. Uh, Jimmy and I have thought of Problems Movie Has, uh, three each, although he wishes it was a dozen, and mm. we'll discuss them. We also have thought of one positive thing the movie has. Halfway? Yes. Okay, cool. I'll you think of that while we record. Oh my god. Okay. Uh, what's your history with this movie and how much do you hate it? I hate it a lot. <laughs> it is one of my least favourite movies of all time. Oh, wow. Yes. I despise this movie with every inch of my being. That being said, <laughs> <laughs> I saw it in the cinema. I love Scream 1. I love Scream 2. I like Scream 4. I'm looking forward to Scream 5. It's called Scream 5, people, not just Scream. Scream 5. I'm looking forward to Scream 5. Um, and this is just a blip. <laughs> I think it is perfectly okay to be a fan of a franchise and not like one movie in a franchise. It's okay, people. You can do it. It's fine. I'm still looking forward to Scream 5. Um, so yeah, I saw it in the cinema, and I have seen it a few times since. I have watched it, and I think it's just the more I watched it, the more I hated it. <laughs> and this time round, I just tolerated it because I had to, because we're doing a podcast on it. Um, I was just going to not watch it at all, but I wouldn't do that to you, Jen. <laughs> I actually <laughs> sat and watched it. Um, so yeah, I have problems. And I actually do have a genuine positive of this movie. Okay. It's not going to be a stupid fucking thing like the movie ends, that's a positive. <laughs> I do have a genuine positive of this movie. What's your history with it? Um, I was obsessed with Scream. Um, I saw Scream in the theater four times. Uh, mm. So, And I knew it was part of a planned trilogy. So I was very excited for this. Saw it on opening day. And I was one of those... God, you know how uh, when you're younger... Um, and hopefully you grow out of this. A lot of people don't. But you know how when you're younger, you can be a real asshole about things you love? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember being in class that day, the day it came out, and somebody talking about how excited they were. And I'm like resentful because I'm like, you know, they're describing themselves as so excited. I'm like, they don't know what excitement is. I know what mm -hmm. excite. You know what I mean? Like that kind of yeah, territorial yeah. thing you get over the yeah. thing you love. Like I was such a little asshole. I think I even told him he didn't know what excitement was. Um, yeah, you take ownership of something when you're that age, don't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, although, I mean, to be fair, I was way more obsessed than he was, so... But anyway, <laughs> anyway, um, and I loved it at the time. I was also at the age where I like I didn't want to admit that anything I liked was bad. Kind of like it was mm -hmm. around the same time that a lot of people saw uh, episode one and they claimed they loved it. And then later they mm -hmm. let themselves admit that they didn't. Um, but you yeah. when you're so excited about something, you don't want to hate it. Right. Yeah. I still I do think that's an age thing, though, because how old were you when you saw this? I was um 18. Right, I was 24. Mm. So I do think I, I mean, I became cynical pretty quickly <laughs> when I became an adult. 
But um, I do think that I did sort of get out of that phase quite quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe because of all the garbage that my little sister was watching at the time. Yeah. <laughs> it just sort of jaded me into what entertainment was. Um, and I just sort of became more picky at things, for, uh, about things. But no, I genuinely love Scream is one of my favourite, Scream 1 and Scream 2 are two of my favourite horror movies of all time. I, I love the second one so much. It, I mean, it's rushed. It was released a year after yeah. the, the, the first one. And it should be terrible, but it's not. This was a couple of years in the making. And it, it, they were still writing the script mm-hmm. as they were going along and on the day. And it's just... Ugh. My thing with Scream 3 is that I now recognize it's not very good, but I still enjoy it. Like, I still enjoy watching it. Um, Dylan and I watched it last night. And, and he didn't really want to watch it, but we just watched mm-hmm. Halloween Kills. And so I didn't really oh. want to be by myself because I was scared. Um, yeah. And so then when it was done, he was like well, that makes Scream 4 look like a masterpiece. And then he was like, not that I don't love Scream 4. And then we watched Scream 4 because he really wanted to watch it. Um, yeah, I was going to watch Scream 4 straight after watching Scream 3. <laughs> I really like Scream 4. And yeah. part of the problem is, you know, you've already brought it up. <sighs> okay, so I'm just going to go on a rant about Kevin Williamson, and I want you to leave this in because I feel very strongly about it. it. I thought you were going to say I want you to leave the room. No. I'll be back in 10 minutes. Um, (laughs) So Kevin Williamson, uh, a couple years before this, he had created Dawson's Creek. Right. And he had obviously done the first two Scream movies and he'd done I Know What You Did Last Summer. And so he was big. He was, you know, this huge writer at the time and was getting a ton of work. Mm -hmm. And around this time, he realized he was overloaded. He had taken on too much, and he just didn't have time for it. So he had four main projects he was working on. He had Scream 3. He had uh, Teaching Mrs. Tingle, which at the time was called Killing Mrs. Tingle, um, which was his directorial debut. Uh, He had Dawson's Creek, and he had a show called Wasteland, um, about just like some Um, 20-somethings. And... I've never heard of that, so, you know, that says a lot. (laughs) It was Damon Lindelof's first writing job. Um, All right, cool. And and I did see every episode. I watched everything Kevin Williamson did back in the day. Um, yeah, yeah. So he was busy with all these things. And at that, at that time, he might have even been, I feel like he consulted on Halloween H2O. I feel like he had something mm-hmm. to do with it, but I don't remember what it was. No, he did. He, he did rewrites on it. So he was really, really busy. And he yeah. had to choose. He, he had to cut out a movie and a TV show. So what he did was he chose Wasteland over Dawson's Creek, which Wasteland only lasted a few episodes. And Dawson's Creek went to shit for a while because he wasn't mm-hmm. there. Like, you can tell the moment he left Dawson's Creek. Yeah. Um, you can just tell because the guy who was running it literally, like, he didn't make it a secret that he didn't care about the show and he was just doing it for the money. So Dawson's Creek got messed up because he, he chose the wrong project. Um, and then with the movies, Teaching Mrs. Tingle, um, it was the first movie he'd written. And um, he was going to get to direct it. And so it was really, and I understand why it was important to him. But then he left Scream 3. And Scream 3, I it kills me that we're probably never going to get to see the first draft of that because he did. If I remember correctly, there was a draft or at least part of it. I would even take a synopsis because I know that when he submitted Scream, he had the other two planned. Um, But it was supposed to be back in Woodsboro. Like they were supposed to be, which there's kind of an homage to that in the movie because they're doing stab, you know, back to Woodsboro. But um, it was going to be a a very different movie. And it just, it drove me crazy because it was Kevin Williamson's 
thing. It was his story. Mm-hmm. And they brought in Aaron Kruger, who is always hit or miss with his twists and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I just can't, I, I will always wonder what Scream 3 would have been if Ken Williamson had made a different choice, which like, if you look at the things that he chose, they didn't do well. Yeah, I don't think Aaron Kruger is a great writer, but I don't blame him for this. Mm-hmm. Because of the whole written by committee thing. Well, and last night Dylan was like, why is this movie so silly? This movie is so silly. And I'm like... It's a comedy. It's not even a horror movie anymore. It's just pure comedy. I don't want to repeat like too much of what I said during She's All That. But honestly, there were a lot of things Dylan was questioning throughout where I'm like, maybe it was Harvey. Right. Because I think Harvey Weinstein had a lot of terrible ideas. So I wouldn't be... No, that's fair enough, but... Sorry. Oh, I just I wouldn't be surprised, especially since he probably had more control over the writing and stuff with this one. I would assume. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it just makes me wonder if some of it was him. And also, we're at some point going to get into the fact that it's real weird that he produced this because of the subject matter. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, we'll get into that. But I um I want to posit a theory. Um, and I hate Harvey Weinstein, mm-hmm. but I'm gonna let him off the hook slightly. Because listening to the commentary, um, I I heard yes, I watched this twice. Well, I watched it and then put the commentary on and listened to that while I was on my laptop, mm-hmm. so I didn't have to watch the movie twice. Who was on the commentary? Um, it's Wes Craven, um, his producer and uh, the his editor uh, Patrick Lucy, mm-hmm. who has directed movies himself. Now, after this. Um, and I was listening to that, and apparently everything was just getting written by them on the day. Oh, wow. Okay. And I haven't listened um, to that commentary in 20 years. Yeah, it was just like everyone basically on set was involved in the writing of it, and they were just given... Um, there's jokes about actors given, getting scripts on the day yeah. of this movie because that's what was happening in real life. I did know that. I... It's. I'll say this, mm-hmm. and and I say the same thing about Charlie's Angels, the um mm-hmm. the first movie. Um, for movies written mostly on the fly, they are very good. <laughs> I mean, if you consider right. that they're just writing things on the day, it's very impressive that they made a pretty coherent movie. Right. I'll disagree with you on that about <laughs> this one, but I will agree with you with that on Charlie's Angels. Because I think the first Charlie's Angels movie is pretty soft. Mm-hmm. The second one, not so much. But the, the first one is pretty. It's not great, but, you know, it's watchable. Yeah. yeah. They, they tended to go for... I don't know. Right. This isn't satire. I don't think... It's it's a different kind of satire than what the, the first two movies is. I think this sort of leans more into parody. Mm-hmm. This... You could watch this and Scary Movie back to back, which was released in the same year, and it's basically the same. <laughs> I just think that this feels more like a parody than a satire. And it's it's one of those things where there are some properties where really only one person should be doing it, and Kevin mm-hmm. Williamson should be doing this. Like they honestly should have pushed it off a little um, until he was available, or pushed uh, Teaching Mrs. Tingle back. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's because Max made that as well. Because it's kind of like, um, you know, when I rewatched Twin Peaks a few years ago, um, you know, I always kind of, I'm, I'm, 
David Lynch is very hit and miss with me, and I kind mm-hmm. of roll my eyes at his weirdness sometimes. But the, when I rewatched Twin Peaks, like, and you can see where he left, I was like, no, there's a talent to his weirdness. Like, there is mm-hmm. it. Not just anyone can make something weird. Like he knew what he was doing, and yeah. um, was a master at it. And the people after him were not. And it's the same thing. Like Kevin Williamson knows how to write these movies. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm curious about the the next one because he did he write it i don't even know He's, i don't he wrote okay it, yeah. okay then never mind i think so anyway um yeah, i'm pretty sure they got him back okay um so obviously not wes craven because he passed away but it's, yeah um right no kevin williamson hasn't doesn't write it okay well I s- it's the same guys who directed it, okay that's the, what i thought yeah i saw um ready or not though and ready or not is fantastic yeah there's a lot of things that's worrying about worrying me about the fifth movie and when this this one doesn't feel like a scream movie to me and i think is i think the the fifth movie is going to feel that way as well but for different reasons Mm -hmm. because i think the fifth one is going to be aiming for more sort of gritty and um i mean watching halloween kills and how fucking violent that mess gets (laughs) it's like I think that modern horror these days just seems to be, oh, let's just throw some blood on someone. Mm-hmm. Um, and, <laughs> you know, ready or not. <laughs> um, uh, but I just feel as though, I hope I'm, I hope I'm wrong because I, I do want this to be good because the, I like ready or not. But I just feel as though watching the trailer, it's just going to be a bit too sort of hard and gritty and everyone's going to die. <laughs> and, you know, it's, yeah. And also, um, Marco Bertrami's not doing the music for the, oh, really? the fifth one. Huh. It's Brian Tyler, who's a good musician, but he's a good composer. But, you know, Marco Beltrami... I don't like Marco Beltrami's score for this movie, but, you know, the other free screen movies, it's, I love the scores for them. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I yeah, actually... It's, it's one of the few scores I own. Like, I own the CD. Mm-hmm. I, I do not own the soundtrack for this one, though, because I don't like Creed, and they're really trying to sell Creed in this movie. They are. They absolutely are. It's so there's frustrating. Creed, there's Creed posters in um, Sydney's room, uh, her fake room. Yeah, in her real room, room, it was girl. Indigo Girls. It was an Indigo Girls poster. That tells you how yeah. much I've seen these movies that I... No, that's fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Should we get into our problems, though? Um. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and my first problem is the voice changer. Really? Yeah, <laughs> I think I think the voice changer is an insult to the fans' intelligence mm-hmm. because the first two screen movies were smart and based in reality, but this leans a little bit too far into the fantastical for me because it's not just changing your voice like the the scream like Ghostface's voice, right? Mm-hmm. That's just a generic voice. It's not based on anyone in particular, and that's what those kind of voice changers can do. But this one can change your voice into people like Dewey and Sydney, and that is not possible. And it just sort of takes me out of the movie a little bit. Okay. Um, <laughs> I could see that. I could see that. Yeah, I just hate it. I hate it because it makes no sense. That just seems like a. That just seems like an easy way for them to get fooled in the movie, but it's not a practical or realistic way for me does it make sense to you that everyone uses the same voice changer in the first two movies like how are they getting this this voice changer with the exact voice well 
how it, well, it's obviously a voice that's programmed into the voice changer. I. It's obviously the default voice changer voice. What I love is in the fourth one, there's actually an app. Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. Yes, but this this piece of technology did not exist in 2000 and doesn't even exist today. Yeah. So it just takes me out of it. It just makes the movie... T- it just makes the movie too fantastical and not realistic. Okay. So what's your what's your uh, first problem? Well, this is okay. So this isn't one of my problems, but I just wanted to mention it because it bugs me. So maybe I don't know. Maybe it's right. it's not one of my official problems. Um, in okay. the first scene, Kelly Rutherford at one point says, "You know, I don't like your stab games." I just always hated that line. <laughs> I just hate it, so I wrote it down. It's like one of the only notes I took the whole thing. Uh, yeah. That is a bit sort of oh, such a creepy. Um, ooh, fun fact. Um, we got a new dog in, I think it was like 2002, maybe. Mm. And um, my parents said I could name it. And so I was, you know, I, I named it Dewey. And I didn't mm-hmm. name it after Deputy Dewey, but my dad thought I did. He was convinced I did. So a couple years later, when they got a white Shih Tzu, my dad named it Cotton. <laughs> and because my dad loved Cotton Weary. Um yeah. Why? I I don't know. I don't know. He just I don't know if he just liked the name or what, but uh yeah. like this is one of the few horror movies that my parents actually watched. Um yeah, yeah. But yeah, anyway, my dad and I I thought I thought Cotton Weary was a good first kill. Um Right. But I will say that 100% Cotton <laughs> is a fucking fantastic name for a TV. And my show. dad was obsessed with that too. It's so funny. <laughs> um, but anyway, my first yeah. official problem is the ghost mom. I don't cuz uh, yeah. it's it's not well done because it's like like she has that nightmare that one time. So obviously some of it is in her head, but mm-hmm. it's hard to tell what is in her head and what is the killer. It's mm-hmm. very, very confusing. And I wish they'd yeah. chosen one or the other. Either it's the killer or it's her. It's in her head. But to have it be both, it's very confusing. Yep. And it takes me out of the movie. I don't like it at all. It's always bothered me. Always. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. They should have taken that scene out. Yeah. I'm also really confused, like, why, um, you know, when she gets that first phone call, it says it's coming from in her house. Mm-hmm. Like, if he's so dead set on killing her, why didn't he kill her there? Is he actually in the house? Like, that yeah, whole thing it seems, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't make sense. And so I, that's unnecessary too. Yeah. What should have happened was, she heard her mum's voice on the phone. That's all that I mean. And then the fact that he—that's all you needed. The fact that he has her number, like we don't have to know that he knows where she lives because that's enough. I think him mm-hmm. knowing her number, like the fact that he's tracked her down there and knows where she works, that's enough. Yeah. And how did they find that? Out? Yeah, I would have loved to have known how he finally found out, but you know, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, no. I do like. The fact that the reason he killed Cotton is because he's looking for her. Um, there's there's so many moments in the movie where I'm like, I really like this. And so many moments where I'm like, ugh. But does Cotton know where she is? I don't know. I don't know. So, I mean, killing Cotton doesn't really solve anything for the... I mean, it, it gets rid of one of Maureen's men. Yeah, but... yeah it's really, I think, like... I mean, the the main reason is just because if you kill one of the original characters, the stakes are higher. Like, they're just setting, 
setting the bar higher in the first scene than the other ones. Yeah. That's that's really the whole point. Yeah. You see original, but he was in like one scene very briefly in his first screen movie. Yeah, but then he had a much bigger <laughs> part in the second one and he, he is he's one of our original characters and he has survived a ghost face. So, or actually, I guess technically but, too, because he was seen leaving her house that night that she was killed. So mm. he could have come very close. Um, but then they just, I don't know, needed somebody to blame. Um, anyway. Yeah. Uh, what is your second problem? Um, adding far too much to the mum backstory. Mm. Yeah. Um, Making Maureen an actress, getting gang raped, having an uh, illegitimate son who she abandoned and then became a slut shagging every man in Woodsboro. Became a slut, I wrote in quotations. Um, do you know what that reminds me of? What? My Girl 2. Yeah. Like, we haven't done that movie, but we, I don't know if you left it in or not, but we did discuss it. Like, the fact that they went back and had this whole history with her mom that just, like, mm-hmm. was really silly and kind of changed your idea of her relationship and her father's relationship with her mom. Um, mm-hmm. And this, it's the same thing. Like, I think, I it's actually more interesting to me, the idea that she was, uh, like, a good mom and, and a in a good wife or supposedly a good wife that she like was this supposedly good family woman that also slept around a lot. Um, yeah, that's more interesting to me than she was a victim of sexual violence. And then that just kind of made her sleep around. Yeah. Cause that's the implication in this movie that her getting gang raped is what caused her to sleep around. And that is a, I mean, I know sorry. Oh, that is a real thing, but I, it's not necessary for this movie. No, it's not, because in this movie it's character assassination. Mm-hmm. Because I'm not condoning her sleeping around um, and cheating on her husband, um, but to make that, to demonise her in a way mm-hmm. is like, well, no, she was bored in her marriage. She could have dealt with it differently, but she decided to shag other men. Mm-hmm. Big fucking deal. Why make her out to be this... This um, quote unquote slut who became that way because she was gang raped. Why? Why add that element to it? I don't know. And I'll and I'll say this: like it's also uh, the interesting thing about her, as far as the first movie goes, is that if you are going to be sympathetic to a cheater at all, like the idea that her husband's always out of town, like mm-hmm. it it gives you like a reason is implied why she might do that. You know. Um. And yeah, this, well, I mean, it's it's hard. I'm having trouble talking about this because I have to talk about it more in my problem, which is slightly different from yours. Um, yeah, okay. But yeah, uh, I didn't, anything uh, with the mom <laughs> was yeah, not Yeah, and great. they also made her abandon her son. Yeah. They, they, they stooped as low as to make her that kind of person. But even that is sympathetic to me because, I mean... I have to imagine if you have a baby from being gang raped, you might not want to keep that baby. No, I understand that in real life. But why add that to this character in the movie just to shit on this character in the movie more? It's the problem is they they clearly wanted to make it more personal. They wanted to make the story, the killer, everything more personal to Sydney and um but they're all but they're all personal. I feel like they went they just went the wrong way. Yeah, it's all personal to Sydney. All of it's about Sydney. Even the second one, it's Billy's mum. Yeah. Because, you know, she's getting revenge. And then, you know, turns out she should have been heading for Scott Foley all along because Scott Foley was the mastermind. Mm-hmm. 
It was actually Roman who was the mastermind. So Laurie Metcalf should have been after his ass instead of Sydney, you mm-hmm. know? But hey ho, she didn't know that at the time because they didn't know that at the time because they were writing it on the fucking day. So. Yeah, I wonder if they went into it knowing the killer or if they came up with that during the film. Well, there's supposed to be two killers in this. Oh, really? Originally, it was him and um, uh, Angelique, Emily Mortimer's huh. character. Um, but Angelique, Angelina, Angelina, I think, isn't it? Yeah, Angelina, because um, Jennifer's last name is Jolie. Yeah, 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 that's right. So Angelina, uh, it was supposed to be her and Roman together. They were supposed to be, uh, and they were supposed to be lovers or whatever, mm-hmm. and they planned it together. And you can tell that that's supposed to be the way mm-hmm. in certain scenes, especially the, the, woods, the fake Woodsboro scene, where the killer can just suddenly teleport. Mm-hmm. It would make more sense that there's two killers. Um, and considering uh, Angelina is actually there because Sydney sees her in the toilet, in the uh, yeah, in the toilet stall, it would make sense that she's also one of the killers tormenting her in the. Um, and we don't actually really see her die. She just sort of runs into Ghostface. Mm-hmm. You don't actually see um, the, the knife actually mm-hmm. stabbing her. So even that far into the story, they were still yeah. Okay. And then she was getting dragged away, conveniently dragged away when they looked over the banister. Hmm. Um, so she was supposed to be. She was supposed to turn up later and be the killer. I would love to read every single draft and summary of this script. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Jesus Christ! I think that would take a while. To be fair. I have so many questions <laughs> about this movie. Um, I don't know. Maybe I should listen yeah. to commentary again. But yeah, and by the oh no, they're they're just. Uh, Sucking each other up in that commentary, wouldn't <laughs> By the way... I think it's a masterpiece. Um, the Scream commentary was the first commentary I ever heard. Really? Yeah, there was a... Because I was so obsessed and it was like, you could buy it on VHS, right? Like, you could buy the movie on VHS. Mm-hmm. Or there was this box set that I hopefully have somewhere in storage where it was the VHS of the movie. And there was a second VHS that had the commentary and it also had like a scream calling card, mm. um, you know, like back when you had calling cards to make phone calls. Yeah. And there were because um, the the movie had the VHS had multiple covers. So there was a copy of each cover in it um, that was the size of VHS. And I there might have been something else in it. I don't know. But like it was it was kind of expensive. And I demanded like this is what I need. Um mm. And so I listened to the commentary and that led to me being the first per- or one of the first people I knew with the DVD player because I loved it. Mm-hmm. I loved listening to that commentary. I'd never heard of a commentary before. And so um for like my birthday one year, I managed like in 2000, I managed to get like I got a DVD player and it wasn't compatible with any of our TVs. So I ended up having to get a new TV. <laughs> and um and like when I went to college the next year, I was the only person with a DVD player. If anyone had one, it was in their PlayStation 2 mm-hmm. or in their computer, maybe. Mm-hmm. But no one, everybody was like, oh, you have a real DVD player. And it was expensive as hell. But yeah. like, and it was all because I listened to that commentary. And I'll tell you what, one of the things I love about it, one of the things I love about Wes Craven is he makes these scary movies. He's like, you know, one of the kings of horror as far as movies go. And he has such a soothing voice. Mm-hmm. There's this part in the first commentary where he's talking about the having the TV on in the background and like on the blue, mm-hmm. you know, the blue screen before you watch the movie and talking about how it's setting the tone for us watching a movie. And something about the way he says it always reminds me of Bob Ross. 
right? Okay. The painter. <laughs> and it's just, I just, I love Wes Craven's speaking voice. It's yeah. so calm and nice. And he just seemed like he must have been a very nice man. You can tell in the commentary for Screen 4, which also has cast members in it, mm-hmm. that um, that they all loved working with him. Uh, uh, I need I need to listen to that. I've never listened to that. I don't listen to commentaries anymore. Neither do I. I mean, I've bought a lot of Blu-rays recently that have commentaries on them with the intention of listening to them, but I just haven't listened to them yet. I've got loads to listen to. Um, I think Get Out was the last one I listened to. Right. The first, the first ever commentary, I think the first ever one I listened to all the way through, was Ghostbusters. Um, and <laughs> that was when I bought my first ever um, DVD player back in, I think it was 2000 as well, actually, when I was in college, and I got my student loan, and I bought mm-hmm. a DVD player for 200, <laughs> 200 quid. Um, and uh, it was a big fucking thing. It was massive mm-hmm. uh, compared to, you know, the size of them now. But uh, but yeah, memories. That was... And that also, that was a visual commentary as well. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what was your first DVD? Ghostbusters. Okay. And um, against all odds, <laughs> starring Jeff Bridges and uh, James Woods, because I bought them together, um, and it was like in a bargain bin. One of them mm-hmm. was in a bargain bin. Guess which one? Um, <laughs> and yeah, those were my first two. I bought them the same day. I bought two the same day too. I got Bowfinger and American Pie. <laughs> right, nice. <laughs> um, and American Pie is still one of my favorite movies. So right. uh, yeah, that was a good choice. Although I rebought it later when they put out a bigger special edition. But mm. but I did just remember because I was thinking about how the only VHS commentary I ever saw, like I ever heard of, was um, Scream. Mm-hmm. And it is the only official one, but I just remembered I did, I forget how, but I managed to get some bootlegs of um, Kevin Smith commentaries. Mm. And I always loved his commentaries. But anyway. <laughs> right. So what's your second problem? My second problem, uh, oh God, I've gone back and forth on this one. Nice. Um, yeah, I kind of kind of have to go with Courtney Cox's hair. Okay. It's real bad. Those bangs are real bad. It they is are. disgusting. Her hair is disgusting in this movie. <laughs> like the second she popped up on screen, Dylan like freaked out. He's like, that is the worst hair. It's awful. Uh, what was tied for my second problem was um, I love Heather Metarazzo and I mm-hmm. think she's a good actress. I think she's terrible in this. I don't understand her delivery. Yeah. We miss you in Woodsboro, guys. Yeah. It's, it's not good. That's not good. And that whole scene's just pointless as well. Well, they just wanted Randy in there, which I appreciated. I because I was so sad he wasn't going to be in the movie, and I was like, there must be some way they get him in this movie. And I and it was like it is totally believable that his character would make that tape. Yes, but the way that they get the tape to them, Mm -hmm. I mean, how does she get into that heavily guarded film studio lot? I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) How does she leave? Um, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, it, it's ridiculous. And she's just sitting there waiting for them coming, and it's just very, I don't know. I mean, they introduced Patrick Dempsey's character as, you know, someone who loves films. He could have said mm-hmm. a little bit more about trilogies, because he says a little. Give him more to do. So, yeah, 
So doesn't Courtney Cox agree with you on this one? <laughs> yes. Yeah. There's a famous tweet that shows up in my feed every, like in my Facebook feed every once in a while, like a screenshot does. Mm-hmm. And it's like it, her reaction, I forget exactly what it says, but it's almost like she didn't realize she had that hair. <laughs> <laughs> You know, like, she's so horrified. It's terrible. But it's also Gail is a character who's kind of tacky. And her clothes are just kind of tacky. And her hair, like, even her hair in the first movie, it's like, she's just, she's kind of a tacky woman. So it does make sense she would have this terrible hair. It really does. But um, it's, it's not good. It's awful. Um, I, I don't understand why anyone would think those bangs were a good idea. Yeah. So, so what's your third? My third problem is uh, the characters are just not engaging at all. Mm. I don't like the new characters. Uh, even Parker Posey. Because I think while Parker Posey's trying her best, I don't think it's the right fit for this. Well, right. She's She's a bit over the top, right? No, Mm -hmm. sorry. She's really over the top, right? (laughs) But then you've got Stu in the first movie who was over the top. But it works better for him because he's just a stupid fucking dumb 17-year-old, right? Mm -hmm. This is supposed to be a grown-ass woman. A lot of her lines were Mm -hmm. ad-libbed. And I just... I mean, all the lines of hers I hate are (laughs) ad-libbed. And uh, I just don't... I just don't think that she's... I just don't... It's not just her, right? Although, her rolling down the hill and saying, I can't stop rolling down (laughs) this hill is fucking ridiculous. And so over the top, and it just pushes this movie into a comedy and not a horror movie. Not even a satire. But it's not just her. It's other characters. I don't like like any of the new characters. I don't like Roman. I don't like Angelina. Uh, I don't like any of them. They're just not engaging enough for me. Whereas Scream 2 and Scream 4, I don't have that problem. I like those characters. Scream 4, like, I remember people were upset about Kirby that she got killed because Kirby wins you over immediately. And when she lists off all those remakes, like, and her hair, Hayden Pinnitier had great hair in that movie. Like, and... I was upset because I and I knew I was going to fall asleep while watching Scream 4 last night um, because I was really tired and I barely made it through Scream 3. And so I was like, Dylan was like, you probably can't stay awake for this. And I'm like, no, I won't. But I would like to doze while watching it. (laughs) And I I missed my favorite part, which is Emma Roberts being a badass at the end. Um, But yeah, I Scream 4 makes this movie look even worse because I think Scream 4 is really good. Yeah. I think Kirby should have been the final girl on Scream 4. Yeah. Emma Roberts' character, what's her name again? Uh, I already don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember. Anyway, her. Jill. Jill, um, it makes sense that it's Jill versus uh, Sydney, but I don't really think Sydney belongs in Scream 4. Really? Mm. Because... Um, it should have been Kirby versus Jill. It would have made mm. a lot more sense if they aped the original movie and it was Teenage Girl versus Appear. Um, by the way, spoilers for Scream 4. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> little late. little late for that. But spoilers for the Scream spoiler- 4. Well, yeah. Um, 
you can put it in the notes. Maybe. Yeah, I'll I'll I'll, put, I'll I'll record something and put it at the beginning, saying there's okay. spoilers for all the movies. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I would like to think that if you're listening to this, you have seen them, but there yeah. could be somebody who hasn't bothered to see Scream 4. You, there's always someone who hasn't seen something that you're talking about, and they would obviously know that if we're talking about the movie, there's going to be spoilers, but... Yeah. I mean, suddenly turning out to be the bad guy and then shooting Dewey in the head, that was about much. But, so, <laughs> uh, so yeah, the characters just don't, I just don't like them. The, the, I'm even, I thought this even watching it for the first time, and a lot of them are over the top. Angelina's mm-hmm. over the top. Um, and oh, and by the way, we forgot to mention um, Jane Silent Bob are in this movie. <laughs> yeah. And in the same scene where Jane Silent Bob are in the movie, Wes Craven walks yeah. past <laughs> and looks, lifts his head up so you can see that it's Wes Craven doing the <laughs> cameo thing. And yeah. Oh, I just hate it. It's just well, it's, so far It always the... bothers me that he's overshadowed by Jay and Silent Bob. I know. I know. But it's just so far into parody, it's ridiculous, this movie. <laughs> His cameo in the first one was better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When he plays Freddy Trigger. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's that's a really, really fantastic cameo. Yeah. Um, He's in the second one as well as a doctor. I just realized I've met two different people who are in Scream movies. Oh, really? Yeah, I've met Henry Winkler and I've met Emma Roberts. Oh, nice. Yeah. Cool. Henry nice Winkler people? kissed my forehead. Yeah. Aww. Yeah. Um, he sounds like a sweetie. He really does sound like a genuinely nice guy. Henry he was Winkler. really nice. Yeah. Very quiet. He was very quiet. But <laughs> And then I was in line to meet James Marsters not long after. And his booth was, because it was at a convention, his booth was right next to Henry Winkler's. And so Henry Winkler's standing there. He doesn't have anybody in line for him. And he turns around, looks at me, sees me like he remembered me from earlier and looks at me and looks surprised like, oh, it's you. Like he just acted. It was like, it was just so sweet, like acknowledging me and pretending like we were friends. And it, it was, it was sweet. He was really nice. Um, and then Emma Roberts, I met at a book event. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a bookstore here called Magic City Books, and mm-hmm. um, it has a lot of great authors on the board. Um, it's a it's a really great bookstore, but they have they have these amazing events. And for their first anniversary, um, Emma Roberts has a book club with her friend Kara, mm-hmm. and so he had them here and had them bring an author with them. And they were doing signings afterwards. And I had just gotten, um, for Christmas, Dylan had, had bought me cards for, for our, uh, podcast pilot inspectors, and mm-hmm. um, with like my name and email address on them. It was really mm-hmm. sweet. Um, so I had these cards. And so like, for some reason, I gave mine to Kara and she was asking me about the podcast. And I told her and, and she told, she told Emma, she was like, listen to this podcast. That's a cool idea. And Emma was like, have you done any of my stuff? And I was like, yes and she said were you nice about it and i was like i was i was like my husband didn't like screen queens but i liked it um because that was one of the very first shows yeah. we did but um no she was really really sweet and um it's listening to her talk about books there are these celebrities that have book clubs where like i know some people think it's stupid that they have them but to listen to them talk about books mm-hmm. um is actually really wonderful and that they they especially somebody like emma roberts whose um audience is so young um, that she's getting people into these great books. That's good. It's really cool. It's really cool. And Reese Witherspoon has really good taste in books too. Right. Um, do you know that 
Wes Craven in the commentary for Screen Five says, uh, "Screen Four, sorry, <laughs> um, says that uh, Kirby isn't actually dead." I I wish that was true, but I don't think she's in the new one. Like, no, I want her I to be in the new one, but, but and, and I I would need her to cut her hair. Yeah, but oh, apparently she has. Apparently she's posted a picture where her hair is quite similar to it. But hmm. that doesn't make any sense. We'll get into that in a minute. But in the commentary, she he said that he did he. Made her still alive when um, Kieran Culkin walks away from hmm. her because if he made a Scream 5, she was going to be in it. Kirby is one of the best characters in the whole franchise, I she think. She is. She is. She's the best. And um, so Wes Craven said that, that he liked her and didn't hmm. want to kill her off for certain. So he she was going to come back in Scream 5 if he directed Scream 5, but sadly he passed away. Yeah, well, and I'm disappointed because I know that Kevin Williamson had another trilogy plan, Mm -hmm. and I guess Scream 4 just didn't do well enough um, for them to do that, and I would love to know what he had planned. I would like to kidnap Kevin Williamson and ask him a lot of questions. Yeah. And I would have to kidnap him because he's going to have to answer the questions, and I don't know if he would otherwise, so. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll treat him well, though. Just ask him what the fuck the following was about. Because that show was bananas. I was into it the first season. I was obsessed. Yeah. But I didn't watch the whole thing. Yeah. I watched the entire three seasons. Um, and I regret it. So, <laughs> um, but that, that show did a ballsy thing. Um, this has nothing to do with Scream. But it did a ballsy thing with uh, Maggie Grace. Mm-hmm. Um, and the pilot, Maggie Grace, is credited as a regular. Mm-hmm. And then they kill her off at the end of the pilot. <laughs> That's very Joss Whedon. It is. It is. But Joss Whedon hasn't actually done that, though. But he wanted to. He, he wanted to. He was not so, allowed to. I know. It's so weird to me that somehow credit sequences are too expensive to have done too. It seems like... I don't know. I don't understand well, it. Well, that makes but... sense because the following's credits weren't a credit sequence. They were just on screen mm-hmm. as the show happened. So that's easy to do. Um, but... But yeah, I don't think Kirby's back for this next one, and it's a shame. Yeah. Um, because she doesn't have any relation to anyone in Scream 5. She's, she's you know, she was uh, Jill's friend. So yeah. there'd be no reason for her to come back. This is weird. I was looking at her credits, just in case, <laughs> somehow. Yeah. She was in Scream 5, and she hasn't worked since 2018. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's she doing? Uh, she had a baby, I think. Oh. So she just sort of took some maternity leave. As far as I know, she definitely had a kid, but I don't know if that's why she's not working. But it would make sense. Um, yeah. My third problem? Yeah, what's your third problem? Okay, my third problem, and this I knew what my... This is the one problem I knew was going to be a problem before mm-hmm. I rewatched the movie. Right. Um, and it's always been a problem for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't like the retconning. Yeah. I don't like the idea that Roman was behind um the first killing. Yeah. Um I I really hate it. It really pisses me off. Um I I I get that clearly they wanted it to be some sort of relative of Sydney's. Um but I just I really hate it. Um I hate what I hate about it, what I hate more about it is the the changing of the first movie and um, mm. the rest of the backstory I don't love, but it is, I do. 
in recent years, and I've seen people write about this, I have a better appreciation of them talking about sexual abuse in Hollywood Mm -hmm. because that is a real thing. And what they Mm -hmm. were describing is that's the kind of shit that happened then. Yeah. And it's so weird that Harvey Weinstein produced this. Mm -hmm. Um, It's so weird when you look at what these monsters did. Like, if you look at their work, there are things in there. Like, if you watch um, Louis C.K.'s stand up or watch his show there, Mm -hmm. he talks about these things and you think, oh, he's a feminist, but really it's just, no, he's like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like there's someone, oh, uh, Chris Delia, De- Delia. I don't know how to say his last name. Um, the guy, he was in you season two and he was playing a guy who preys on teen girls. And mm-hmm. then it turns out in real life, that's exactly what he did. And yeah. it's so weird that these people like do, you know, are, are attached to this material that mirrors things they've done Mm -hmm. and like and then you have to wonder are they how aware are they even of of that since a lot of time these monsters have convinced themselves what they're doing is not bad yeah i i think the whole as much as i despise it i think the whole maureen um young actress was gang raped thing is actually them calling out harvey weinstein Mm-hmm. I like to think that that's what they're doing because everybody knew. Mm-hmm. Even back then, they, they yeah. knew. And and that that storyline on its own, I think, is interesting. That yeah. whole story on its own is interesting to me. But to have it be so related to Sydney, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. That bothers me. Um, it's I. But once again, I would be fine with it if it wasn't going back to the first movie. Um, that just really, really bothers me. And yeah. uh, and I think Scott Foley's very good. Um, yeah, he's all right. I th- I think he's especially the stuff where, as far as we know, he's just a director, right? Like just his whining the whole movie is kind of funny to me. Um, yeah, I it's. It's weird because you like a lot of the stuff is the Hollywood stuff is over the top. But then I think that a lot of filmmakers enjoy making fun of Hollywood a little too much. And mm-hmm. I think they I think that that storyline, I, I would wonder if it works, if all that stuff works better for somebody who works in the business than it does for someone like you or me. Yeah. Um, and I think sometimes they lose sight of the fact that we don't. And, and I understand it better than most civilians who don't live anywhere near Hollywood, right? Because mm-hmm. just because I've studied movies so much and like listened to commentaries and mm-hmm. read memoirs and stuff like that, like I'm I'm more well versed in that stuff. Yeah. And I think I would hate it more if I wasn't, you know, even at the age that I saw it at, very kind of aware of the stereotypes and and everything. Um I think I think that probably helps <laughs> in the enjoyment of the movie. Um, but they just forget that not everyone, like, there's probably plenty of actresses that act exa- almost exactly like Jennifer Jolie, but that's not something that the average person is going to really understand. No. Is that a dig at me? <laughs> no, 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 because I do think you know those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm looking young. Um, yeah, no, I know that, but I just, and I understand all that and I appreciate all that. I just don't think it's right for this movie. Yeah. Yeah, I um, get that. Yeah. For this franchise, at least. I think that part of the problem is you don't have Randy, and Randy is your humor. Like, mm-hmm. so much of the humor comes out of him. And without him there, I think they didn't know 
where to put the humor. Have I ever told you what I want in heaven if heaven is real? Hmm. So, and leave this in because I think it's a really good idea. Okay. Okay. And All right. Okay. Now I'm agnostic and I don't necessarily believe in heaven, but okay. if heaven is real and I mm-hmm. hopefully get there because I I've done some bad things, but I'm I'm I feel like I'm ultimately pretty good. Um, everyone's I, done bad things, Jen. Every yeah. single person on this planet. Um. Well, it just depends on how how judgy God is, right? Yeah. True. Um. And I like to think he understands we're human. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, if he's real. <laughs> yeah. But uh, my what I hope is in heaven or, or in any afterlife, if there is some sort of afterlife, yes. is what I want is I want the ability to watch things you wish were made. Like I would love <laughs> to get the opportunity to watch the scream that would have been made if Kevin Williamson hadn't quit. It's kind of mm-hmm. like you'd be able to watch um, Indiana Jones with Tom Selleck, right? Mm-hmm. Or maybe like My So-Called Life Season 2 um that to me (laughs) is what i wish i would love that ability to watch these things that i wish existed angel Um, season six yeah yeah angel season six there i i would love to be able to see these things Mm -hmm. um and that's just always that for a long time that's been my idea of what would be amazing in the afterlife yeah that's a that's a really nice idea I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's a good idea. Um, as an atheist, I'd have to say it's never going to fucking happen. But it's a, <laughs> it's a nice idea. It, it's really good. It would be good if that actually did exist. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially since the afterlife would probably get boring after a while, right? Mm-hmm. Like, because it it I I assume it lasts forever. So the I like can, how much time would this take up for me to watch all these alternative pieces of entertainment that I want to see? No, that's a good idea, actually. Uh, may actually make me a believer yet. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so my uh, positive, and like I said earlier, it's a genuine positive, right? Mm-hmm. Because I do like what they do with Sydney in this movie. Mm-hmm. I like Sydney as a crisis counsellor, living mm-hmm. on her own with a dog, a cute doggy. Um and uh, her dad visiting her. It's nice to see her dad again. Yeah. Um, her dad turning up and helping her, and only doing knowing where she is and the dad, obviously. Um. Yeah. So I think I like that because that makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Because she has been through a crisis herself, too, in fact. So it makes sense that she's helping out other people. Um. And I like that that's what they do with her. Uh, I don't like what they do with Dewey. And I don't like really what they do with um, uh, Gail. Because Gail, Gail's entire storyline in this movie is being jealous of uh, Parker Posey's character. Yeah. Well, one thing I do like is the idea that she and Dewey tried... But that she mm-hmm. just couldn't, like, they just wanted different lives. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's really interesting. Um, yeah. Like, to see what, what happened with them. I think that's a really good story. There's a few things in here that are really good parts of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, it just... Uh, and then I always wonder, like, are those things that Kevin Williamson would have done? Like, did they keep any of his plans in this movie? Um, but yeah, the Sydney stuff is great. And it's mm-hmm. it's and they, they did something similar. In um, somewhat similar in Halloween, the new Halloween um, that came out a few years ago, um, except instead of kind of 
living afraid. She's like prepared to be a badass. Um, yeah. It's she's just in this isolated, just quiet life because she can't deal with everything else because she tried to move on and have a normal life and it didn't work out. Yeah, she tried to go to college and almost died again. And she's been through this trauma. Like if if that movie were made today, they would talk more about trauma. I mean, I also like the fact that she's not just thrust into the action straight away. Mm hmm. She's on her own for a good portion of the movie, but um, but things are sort of heating up. And then with all the pictures of her mum, then Dewey has to call her, mm-hmm. has to tell her at least. Um, but I like that she's not like, oh, we're, we're in Hollywood, let's make Sydney an actress. Or let's make Sydney like, um, I don't know, a, a TV show host like they did with Cotton, you know what I mean? It made me wonder if um, Nev Campbell said she'd do the movie if she didn't have to film that much or if she wasn't available for that long because she was doing something else because I feel like she was really busy around this time because if I mean her scenes in her home could have been filmed in a day or two Mm -hmm. and she's missing from so much of the action of the movie. I just Mm -hmm. wonder if it was like if that storyline exists because of a contractual thing. Yeah, possibly. But then when she turns up, it's like, bam, Sid, super bitch, again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, which is always good to see. Mm-hmm. Um, Sydney Prescott is one of my favourite final girl, girls of mm-hmm. of all time. I think she's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she's used a bit too much because she just seems to be, because she's in all four of the movies, and she lives through all four of the movies. And I don't want her to die, but I just think it's, you know, have a screen movie without her, maybe. Um, and have the other two in it. Well, I'll just say... Just said to have peace, for fuck's sake. I'll <laughs> say this. Scream 5 has been described as both a sequel and a reboot. Mm-hmm. So I am fully prepared for our original people to die. Yeah, all three of them are getting killed off, yeah. You think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All three of them. Um, because... Sydney, and I don't like it, but Sydney's going to die because she's not the final girl anymore. She's mm-hmm. past that stage. She's the mentor that gets killed now. And Dewey's going to die because going by the trailer, they're making him out to be a fucking badass now. And mm-hmm. you need that from Dewey because Dewey's fucking useless in all the other four movies. Um, he shoots Roman in the head in this one, but only because he's told to shoot Roman in the head. <laughs> yeah. He, he doesn't do anything else. He's knocked out constantly. Mm-hmm. He's knocked out at the end of the fourth movie, which is fair enough because the fourth movie is a teenage girl. Um, he's he's the Giles of this franchise. Yeah, absolutely. He, but not as smart. <laughs> <laughs> but I love Dewey. Dewey's great. Um, but yeah, and I think he's going to die. He's going to go out a badass. Mm-hmm. Um, which is which you need to you need to give him a heroic death after all the shit they've been put through. Um, and Gail's gonna die because nobody really cares about Gail. I care about Gail. I like Gail. No, I mean movie wise, nobody okay. really cares about Gail. Gail Gail doesn't do anything in the movies really, does she? And this one, she's jealous. And the fourth one, she almost dies anyway, and then she's not in the movie for the remainder of it. You know, it's mm-hmm. like the filmmakers don't want to kill. The three main ones off when they were making screams one to four, but they didn't actually give them anything to do. Um, especially Gail. But I don't want Gail to die either. 
Gail to die either, but I think she is. I think all three of them are gone. Hmm. And uh, Marley Shelton is in the fourth or the fifth one. Oh yeah, I saw her briefly in the in the trailer. Yeah, what was that, Marley Shelton? But yeah, she was in the she was in the fourth one. Mm-hmm. It's interesting bringing her back. Yeah, out of all the characters to bring back from Scream Four, uh, to bring her. I hope they make her more competent mm-hmm. and less of a fucking psycho because they they make her out to be such a suspect in that fourth movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, she's just staring and bug-eyed and stuff, and it's like, yeah, give Miley Shelton something better to do. I love Miley Shelton. I do too. She's great. Mm-hmm. So my positive, you're going to hate. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Um, and it's, I wouldn't have thought this would be my positive until I watched it last night. Okay. It is Parker Posey. <laughs> and here's the thing, because Dylan, Dylan and I were talking about this the other day. Um, when I was telling him, you know, that I had to watch Screen 3 this week. Um, he said that a big part of whether or not you like this movie has to do with whether or not you like Parker Posey. Because mm-hmm. Parker Posey, and she is extra big in this movie, but she's often very big. Um, like, look at, like, Josie and the Pussycats, for yeah. one. Blade Free as well, yeah. That's just what she does. Yeah, with with her she's you either love her or hate her for the most part um she's she's one of those actors that it's like people are gonna have a strong opinion if they do have an opinion about her and um she is over the top but she is fucking hilarious like the part where she just like walks up to patrick warburton and jumps into his arms like i cackled so hard um i know this movie is a little too silly and everything but Dylan and I watching it last night, it's like we both agreed, like just watching her in this movie, even if it seems out of place, is such a delight because she's hilarious. Right. I disagree. Because <laughs> I don't find her funny in the least. And I think that um, stupid, dumbass things like her saying that stuff when she's rolling down the hill and the way she says my lawyer like that and the way she holds out her hand when she's running behind Courtney Cox to get Courtney Cox to hold her hand, it's like, mm-hmm. you're in the wrong movie. Now, I don't hate Parker Posey, right? Mm-hmm. I like her in other things. And I think if this part was in something other than Scream Free, I would like it more. Okay. I just don't like her in Scream Free. I don't like what they do with the character or any of the characters in this. So it's nothing against Parker Posey, mm-hmm. and I think I probably would enjoy it more if it wasn't in Scream Free. I think she's the thing that in a mo- in a you know kind of in a mediocre sequel, to me she makes it more enjoyable. So right. that's why she's my pot. But it's also I understand why someone would hate her, right? Like yeah. I I I totally get that. What whether somebody would hate her in this movie or just in general because she is so over the top, um, yeah. so much of the time. But if you like her, it's or if you love her, it's delicious mm. yeah, um, yeah. watching her. But it is it is an acquired taste, especially with this movie. Um, yeah. yeah. So, I like her in other things, though. I do yeah. like her stick in other things. I don't I don't hate her stick or her character. Like her, I mean, or the actor. I don't like her. I don't hate her. Mm-hmm. I just don't like... I just don't like Scream 3. Mm-hmm. I just don't like it. And there's just so much in here that just adds to it. And she's part of it because I don't think she belongs in it. 
Mm-hmm. I think she's too over the top for this. But, like, right, say she was in Scream 1 mm-hmm. doing this. Do you think you would still like her as much? Because Scream 1 is, like, almost perfect. Would you? Do you think that adding Parker Posey as this character... And Scream One would Scream One would still be good. I mean, it's it's hard to think they would because this the movies the storylines are so different. It's hard for me. But like, if she played Gail Weathers Mm. in the first one, Mm. um, yeah, that would be really interesting. Um, I don't know, (laughs) I don't know how I'd feel about it, but um, I don't completely different movie. But Randy also seems a little over the top in the first movie compared to everybody else. I know, but he suits it because he is uh, an obsessed teenage boy. Mm-hmm. And he's, I mean, he's the movie savvy one, but there's also moments of like tenderness with Randy. Mm-hmm. And um, there's also like, uh, like towards the end, um, he's, you know, genuinely terrified and stuff. And I don't, apart from when she's getting murdered, right? Mm hmm. I think that's her best acting in the entire movie. <laughs> I do. Mm-hmm. Because that is where I think Parker Posey's actually trying mm-hmm. and not just doing the Parker Posey thing. I think that when she's getting murdered is when she's actually acting. <laughs> um, and also, that doesn't make any sense, by the way. Where does where does Roman disappear to after killing her in that? that instance i don't know it i think you're not supposed to think about these things too much i think it's i mean that's that's part of the genius of having two killers in the other movies right that like that's why they were supposed to be two here yeah yeah but also the way that she is right she's situated right at the very end of the the wardrobes of the Mm -hmm. the closets and the glass moves and dewey shoots the the one at the other side first so he should see roman running past there as he's escaping but he doesn't. So is there another door? We don't, I don't see know. it. I mean, this house clearly be... has a lot of like hidden places. Yeah. So yeah, but you know, it's it just it doesn't make it. And then he's right there. Him running out where he runs out makes more sense for where he comes in. Do you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. he comes into the room straight away and just starts beating them all up in the same room. So. You know, it would, I don't know. It just, uh, it just annoys me. I think, I think, like, because I was having trouble coming up with, like, one positive. Because, like, I like the movie, but I know it's not great. And the other thing, and I know I I touched on it earlier, but this, the Hollywood sexual predator Mm storyline, that is so dark. Yeah. Right? Like, and it is, it is a very good storyline. Um, it, I don't know if it fits here, but, um, that is something like this movie was talking about something that really happens before other people were talking about it. Yeah, no, I, I agree completely. I do think that there is certain things in here that are good. I just don't think they suit this movie or this franchise. Is yeah, my problem. I do think that that whole that gang rape thing is interesting, mm-hmm. it's fucking terrifying and awful. But I do think that sort of thing is interesting to touch upon, and a major motion picture is doing it. I just wish it wasn't in Scream Free, mm-hmm. a satire yeah. of you know of horror movies. I just wish it wasn't in there. It's and it it's also like the fact that Angelina said that she slept with Milton, mm, and it's yeah. like it's clear he's probably still doing this. 
Yeah. I don't mind him getting killed. No, actually, I almost wrote that down as a positive. <laughs> I actually wrote that as my positive. Mm. I was going to be like, I was going to write that down as, yeah, he gets murdered and he deserves it. He's the only one that really deserves it. There, um, there's some little things in these movies that you that it's almost like they're glossed over and you don't think about it. Like because that comes up, um, it comes up a couple of times, but it's not something they talk about a lot in the movie. Like mm. there's that, and it's that you don't like. It wasn't till now that I was really thinking about how dark that is. Mm. Um, and then in the first one, the idea, like I think I don't spend a lot of time thinking about the fact that Sydney's mom slept around. Yeah, that like. That that's such a huge thing that Sydney finds out about and has to face about her mother. That like her f- coming to terms with the fact that Cotton Weary isn't the killer, and you know finding out about Stu's dad and stuff. That like mm-hmm. this woman not only goes through the trauma of almost being killed, but like she has to deal with the fact that her mom was not who she thought she was. Yeah, in the first movie. Yeah, yeah, it, but it's not something we think about, right? True. Yeah. She discovered in the first movie that mm-hmm. her, it wasn't just Billy's dad or um, Cotton. Mm-hmm. Cotton, it was other people. Yeah, she flashed her shit around like she was Sharon Stone or whatever mm-hmm. they say, um, and it was like um, it is dark, but I just feel as though that if you are satirizing horror movies, putting in like gang rape in a Hollywood party mm-hmm. is a bit much. Yeah, it is. Um, <sighs> but I, the thing you just said, the line about her flashing her shit all over town, like mm-hmm. she was Sharon Stone. Mm-hmm. Um, and then earlier you said, uh, what was it you said? Um, it was, it was a Tate, Tatum quote about Sydney. Bam said super bitch. Yes. Bam said super bitch. Like in this conversation, thinking about like, you know, like I remember the Indigo Girls poster and like we remember specific quotes. Like it just shows how good the first movie is. Um mm-hmm. Absolutely. that that we remember such specific things. Um because yeah. I've seen, you know, I have a lot of movies I love and I have a lot of movies I've seen a lot, but Scream, I know it's like Heathers, like I know that script. Yeah, no, I, I, I know Scream pretty much back to front. I love it, and I've watched it a lot of times. I think I may actually watch it um, again soon. And I, uh, I just to get away the taste of this fucking thing. The, I mean, the big problem with this movie is that mm. after the first Scream, it's hard to do anything as good. Like Scream changed the entire game like there i i i I read something recently that said that young people watching it now wouldn't appreciate it in the same way because they've seen Mm. this done a million times but scream changed everything with horror um it commented on horror and the way they comment on the genre in the other movies just doesn't nothing's going to work as well as that very first one yeah, I mean, that's the same thing as what Scream is saying about the original Halloween movie back in 96. Mm-hmm. Scream is saying that. Scream is saying that um, that younger people won't really like um, Halloween as much. But, you know, here's, some teenage- here's a teenager that does. I mean, Randy's the only one that really appreciates the first Halloween movie. Yeah. Uh, but I think that's a comment on that as well. Uh, and then Scream changed that, and then um, well, every now and then a horror movie comes out that changes horror. Yeah, 
Uh, I can't remember what other saw saw apparently has changed horror as well. And uh, paranormal activity. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I think the biggest thing that came out of that is that they were like, oh yeah, you can make cheap horror. F-. You'd think they would have learned this from Blair Witch, but mm-hmm. like you can you can make cheap horror films and people are gonna still love them. Um, but yeah, there's yeah. there's been a few movies that have that have changed the game, but Scream is one of the biggest ones. I mean, if you look at the slasher films that came in the years after that, and then there are things like, I mean, Halloween, they'd kind of given up on Halloween and Halloween H2O happened because of Scream. Um, yeah. It, it just changed things so much. And I mean, that was one of the ways that like, there were a lot of ways that Kevin Williamson really changed things because he, with this in Dawson's Creek, it's like he created smart teens and mm. teens that know big words and that are smarter and more thoughtful. And while sometimes it's a little over the top on like Dawson's Creek with the way they talk, mm. like it is closer to how a lot of teens are. It's closer to how mm. I was than the way they were usually portrayed in movies. Yeah. Um, yeah, Scream, Scream. The problem is, is Scream is so perfect um and so game changing that it's i it's got to be really hard to figure out how to do more um mm. and have them work in the same way because i think it's impossible i think it's just impossible for anything to be anywhere close to scream that is that is our discussion on scream <laughs> yay we did it jen we did it I, this is like Home Alone. Like I'm realizing how much I love talking about very like these movies that I'm obsessed with. Um, yeah, there's it's rare that we talk about something that I love that much. Um, yeah, I mean, I could do hours on an original screen movie. I yeah. really could. Well, and I but. I almost picked it, and then it's like it's like how we talked about how we probably shouldn't do Heather's. That like yeah. if we love something that much and think it's so perfect. Um, what's the fun in really doing it, except the fact that we get to have fun talking about this thing we love. But mm-hmm. the problems would be probably be very small and insignificant. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I future. did just think of a problem I have with Scream, though. <laughs> anyway. A problem you have with Scream 1? Mm-hmm. What is it? Um, the fact that you see Ghostface, um, like in the bushes at one point, yeah, yeah, and yeah, then yeah. Um, no I can't remember if it's in the movie or not because I think maybe it was cut out. I don't know. Do you see him in a reflection in the grocery store? You do. Okay, okay. Yes. Um, I think it's just that that scene was longer, um, and they yeah. they cut a lot out of it. But um, the fact that you see Ghostface in those two places, the only way I can handle that is I think about the assholes at the school who are dressing up as Ghostface, and I just imagine that's them because it doesn't yeah. make any sense otherwise. Like, just add a little like five seconds of one of them walking out and taking the mask off. Mm-hmm. Just add that makes more sense. Yeah, but yeah, uh, it's still. A brilliant movie. Anyway, uh, <laughs> next week, Jen, we are sticking with horror movies, obviously, because it's almost Halloween. And we are also sticking with the third movie in a franchise. <laughs> because next week we're doing Halloween pre-season of The Witch. I'm excited about this. Yes. I've never seen it. It's the o- well, I was going to say it's the only Halloween movie I've never seen, but I haven't seen what uh, Rob Zombie's second one. Which oh God, once you don't need to. well no I will need to because I'm a completist <laughs> and so if I see Halloween three I which the only reason I haven't seen it is because I was like it doesn't have Michael Myers in it that's stupid I refuse to watch it um and then I found out it was going to be like they were trying to make a series of different kinds of horror movies so I respect what they were doing um and I own the movie I own all the I own the original eight 
actually, I guess I own everything besides the Rob, Zo- Rob Zombie ones. Um, but I've still never seen it. It just came in a box set. Yeah, uh, that's all we have time for. If you'd like to uh, follow me on Twitter, it's at Drop the Pilot Pod. Uh, Drop the Pilot's back, by the way. We are doing a, a Halloween special soon, me and uh, Tisto. Um, and if you'd like to go to the website, it's shifttobench.co.uk. And if you want to contact us, it's contact at shifttobench.co.uk. Just send us an email. Tell us why you think Screen Free is great. Uh, I promise not to take the piss out of you because everyone's opinions are valid. <laughs> um, and uh, where can people follow you on the internet, Jen? Um, at Pilot Inspectors on Twitter. Excellent. So thank you all for listening and we'll speak to you all next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.